The opinions expressed are those of the author and do not necessarily reflect the views of Charles River Associates, its clients, or any of its or their respective affiliates. This podcast is for general information purposes and is not intended to be and should not be taken as legal advice. Hello, and welcome to the fourth volume of CRA Energy Chat. My name is Laura Socha. I'm an associate principal in the energy practice at CRA. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Francesco Novelli, an analyst in the energy practice here at CRA, and Simonea Conero, CEO of Flexidao, a leading clean tech startup providing blockchain solutions to help energy market participants reach their net zero carbon goals, but also helping those participants ensure that their reporting is as accurate as possible. And so I'm going to turn to you now, Simone. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself and give us a bit of an introduction as to what Flexidao does? Yeah, thanks a lot, Laura, for the introduction and for inviting us, uh, well, me and us as a company, to the podcast. Um, yeah, I'm I'm Simone. I'm an energy engineer as background. Uh, I would a would a focus on power markets, smart grids, and power grids. And um, I I after I graduated in a mixture of European universities, Italy, Spain, and Belgium. And then I started working with energy management consulting for large SMEs. So it was essentially an energy service company, ESCO. while I was uh, collaborating with the research center at the Polytechnic University in, in Barcelona, in Catalonia. And that's where, together with our current CTO, we started working on, uh, on what is today our platform. Uh, well, I will go that, that I I will go into that uh, a bit later. But essentially, uh, we founded a company around five years ago now, and uh, with funds from the European Institute of Technology, specifically on the energy vertical. And then from there, we started growing, and we are today almost for uh, I think forty three people. The latest headcount uh, spread all over Europe with uh, some first employees in the US, since we are now also entering the US market. That's a that's a bit of my my background shortly. Great, thank you very much, Simone. And it's great news to hear how Flexidao is is growing. Um, but what do you guys do precisely? Um, we know we all know you work on green certificates, but what is your um proposal to the market? Yes, uh, that's a great question. So very very briefly in the easiest way possible we uh, we have a platform that uh, helps company cal companies calculate their co2 emissions related to electricity consumption so scope to emission according to the greenhouse gas protocol the, the we do that for essentially every company uh, in, out there but more specifically we do that for the companies that want that are interested in that are interested in this uh, increasing accuracy and credibility of their reporting. So today in the market we are at uh, scope two, but generally decarbonization and especially the the risk and threat of greenwashing is becoming more and more top of mind for executives. So companies want to rely more and more on data when for their reporting compared to what was happening just a few years ago. So also scope two is becoming more complex in terms of inventory management. Today, companies have PPAs, have received certificates from multiple parties across potentially all the globe. And they want to make sure that what they do or what they claim is actually accurate. And they also want to rely on data to make further decisions on what they should procure next, what the target should be next. 
So essentially, we see the industry migrating from a spreadsheet-based kind of reporting to a platform software-based reporting that actually relies on data. And very often getting their hands on this data is actually harder than it sounds and should be uh, since we all have smart meters and also guarantees of origin or certificates in general not as, as easy to get your hands on as a, as a buyer very often. So essentially you can see ourselves as a platform that puts together all the different data sets, metering data, certificates, and the grid mix of the of the power set of the power grid where we operate, where we run analytics and we give you advice, we run forecasts. So we essentially help companies manage their scope to inventory from a renewable, you could almost see us as an ERP for your renewable energy contracts in, in, in essence. And then there's a second part of, of what we do, as you mentioned, related to certificates. Um, we work very closely with um, issuing bodies of guarantees of origin, RECs, uh, IRECs all over the world, because we uh, are one of the front runners proposals that pro they were proposing that RECs in general should evolve in terms of granularity and in terms of the attributes that they can disclose and or, or help disclose uh, the the beneficiary or, or or the buyer of these certificates. That's why we've been involved with the energy tax standard for the last two years and a half. We were one of the co-founders of the of this of this initiative. It's a non-profit initiative that aims at making and creating a standard for time-stamped hourly certificates all over the globe and in hand with the current, with the with existing issuing bodies. So in that front today, we help issuing bodies issue these certificates in the countries where we are allowed. And more importantly, we think that in the years to come, uh, as scope to evolves, there will be these hourly certificates will be the new standard of the market. And this will create a whole different market compared to today where certificates are monthly, but are traded on a yearly basis. Once you have hourly certificates, you need to trade on an hourly basis, even if uh, after, but, but this will create different price signals every hour. It will actually price supply and demand of certificates and supply and demand of the of renewable energy beyond what the power market already does, kind of stacking up a business model on top of the power market. So that's a bit what our vision goes and act granular, hourly based, geographic based, a scope two with underlying environmental commodities for it. And as enabling the trading and the transaction and the management of the certificates today, we have companies with scope two and data gathering. So you mentioned that uh, you guys are flexible hour trying to improve the granularity of uh, certificates of origin. Um, but uh, for our listeners, how is the current system working and uh, which um, issues and criticalities did you did you identify in the system as it is today then the FlexiDAO is is trying to address you to address yeah. and how are you guys addressing that? Yeah, it's a great question. So first of all, I think that it's 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 very important to say that overall, the system as it works today, it, it, it brought great benefits to the market. In general, it's better to do something than not to do anything. So we, we always want to be very clear that we want to improve what is today here and available for the market. We don't want to disrupt it. 
So that this for us is, is very important. We are we are extremely supportive of market-based methods because we well we'll enter into that, but we know that they've been criticized quite heavily by some market parties and some academics. We believe the guarantees of origin should stay and are here to stay. At the same time, they were an, uh, an instrument that were designed more than 20 years ago. And as the market evolves, they should evolve with it. Uh, the energy sector went from deploy anything anywhere as quickly as possible in terms of renewable. Now we start to see congestions. We start to see interconnection problems. We start to see like where, where, where and when and what type of technology you deploy actually matters a lot. And as the market matures, the, 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 the tools the, uh, mature with it. And we think that overall, the accounting standard and certification system should evolve with it. We believe that there are two main critical issues today uh, that can lead to a much more impactful scope two and certificate market in general. One is location. Today, any uh, the companies are allowed to procure comp uh, grant uh, guarantees of origin and recs in general from anywhere. Essentially, the, the, the usual acceptance boundary is the same continent. However, this creates a lot of yeah, a lot of inaccuracies, let's say, but also a lot of market distortions where some countries think that they are completely green already. So there's no incentive for them in that country to buy guarantees of origin and to become a huge exporter. And so driving down the price uh, very heavily. So this is one creating, we, we think there should be much more clear and strict geographical boundaries that reflect the physical reality of the power grid. And the second one is the granularity. Today, companies are allowed to report on a yearly basis. So they sum up uh, everything they they consume in a year and they buy the same volume of guarantees of origin through whatever supply instrument, being a PPA and bundled certificates or retail tariffs. We think that, again, this was great, a great start. Today, we have the means and the data to go more granular. And going more granular will actually identify where the gaps really are. Uh, again, it's not the same to be green at the middle of the day than being at night. And this should not be only transparent and available but to whoever is linked to the wholesale price, uh, wholesale market, but also to uh, the, all the other participants. So it's essentially adding, adding up uh, like price signals uh, to the market on top of what is today. And in general, again, averages there are many 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 it's easy, very easy to see that in average there's a lot of difference between the lowest carbon in, uh, intensity of the grid and the highest car uh, carbon intensity of the grid so just doing an average in today's market doesn't work anymore because the penetration of renewable has increased so much that the difference is too great um th that's really interesting and I'm, I'm actually quite quite interested to to hear a bit more about the 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 data collection point um sort of before maybe we go into a bit more detail in terms of who your clients and might be and, and how you're helping them um because i know sort of looking through what you do on your website you mentioned sort of the the way things work and the collecting and the monitoring and the and the reporting and on on the collecting side and you're talking about this data that you now have um i'm quite interested to know sort of you know, is do you do you see differences perhaps in geographies as to how this data might might be different quality or? 
Yes, yes, we see a lot of differences. Uh, this is actually a very good point. And in order to have, I think that the, 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 clear, the clearest answer possible would be, first of all, to split by data type. So starting with metering data, uh, today, with especially in Europe, which is, I, I would say, by all means, the most advanced country when it comes to smart meter rollouts and availability of data. So it's like many times the topic today, especially for reporting, which is an kind of expo. So will you do it after it takes place? You don't need like second granularity, real time data to do that. I mean, it's of course helpful for the few companies that are able to do demand response based on market signals, but generally for the market, something that happens ex post. And then the issue rather than quality is actually the availability and uh, uh, how do you access it? Um, today, Europe has this, this law called um, data spaces, common, common data spaces that are per vertical, and they're also one, the energy is one of the verticals. So technically, the owner uh, of the data, when it comes to load data, is the actual consumer, and the consumer can claim that can must have access to that data, and very often it's very tricky. And also it must be able to appoint a third party to, ha to have access to that data in exchange for a service. So this third party access, although should be legally feasible in every European country, in reality and in practice is still not happening uh, to the extent it should, you should expect in a digital society like ours in 2023. So I think that overall data is more and more available with higher and higher granularity, greater quality. The issue we need to tackle today, if we really want also to foster innovation, foster services, thinking also of a scope two and a, 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 an economy that more and more will treat a ton of CO2 as a currency. So we really need to have reliable data underneath it. We really need to have not only focus on the quality, but also on the availability and the exchanges. So on the and that Europe again is a front runner. Um, in the US, the Green Button Alliance is the nonprofit standard that is working on this front. There's already good step forward, and the other geographies we, I think will follow. But today you still very much need to go directly to the, the utility or the originator to get the data. When it comes to CO2, today is in the hands of private parties. We have a great partnership with Electricity Maps that I also think offer a great app that everybody should at least go and look into. But more and more we see that TSOs, ISOs, market parties start publishing data, um, Denmark, Spain, Germany. I mean, all of these TSOs make available through via API or interfaces CO2 data, which I think is also very interesting for companies to look into. And then certificates. Uh, out of the three data sets, uh, certificates are the ones that lag behind considerably. It's very hard to find a certificate registry that offer an API in general, which it makes any inventory management very hard. Um, so I think that's where the biggest uh, review and update is needed in the in the short term. And actually, there's already a uh, uh, the Linux Foundation Energy, together with Energy Tag and some leading uh, registry like Emirates, IREC, etc., are working on uh, API standards because they already offer them, and they want to standardize and make it available to every registry around the world. Because as the complexity grows, 
it's very important to be able to work with, with, with software that can interface with registries, not just download spreadsheets, upload spreadsheets, because it would be really unmanageable and create a lot of risk. So the, in terms of data access, again, these are the three streams, metering data, good quality, good availability, great smart meter rollout, we really need to focus on accessibility and availability. CO2 data in the hands of private companies, I think that more and more will become public and should become public. And these private companies can then evolve their business model into forecasts, et cetera. And the third one is certificates, but we really need the most amount of work today to streamline how these are traded, transacted, how company, how providers like us can connect into this in order to ease in the end the, the operations of our clients working with this, which in the end will drive up liquidity, usage, et cetera. So I think it's a win-win for everyone. Interesting. Um, so it seems clear that data are the key um of your of your business model um so how do you come how do you actually combine these three streams of data um to offer um uh, a more precise and blockchain based um um certificate tracking system um to to um, large energy consumers for instance and how do you make sure that um how do you make sure to avoid um, issues such as double counting for instance yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, this is a great question. So, well, the, the, the very first value that we offer is not related to blockchain at all, which is really the, the ease of mind and the time saving for our clients. So now they have to send emails to the suppliers, get the data, their data usually in the ERP, which is SAP or Oracle, whatever. They need to extract that. They need to get monthly invoices. Like we take all of that pains out of their hands we just make scope to report it easy for them so that their, their auditor now just needs to access our platform and see that what is what is there. And it moves to being a process auditing rather than an actual data auditing, which makes it much cheaper for them. Um, blockchain in all of these comes like because we kind of snapshot whatever we create for them and all the processes and all the data so that, that the auditor can audit the process, audit the link that we do, and then it's there. And there's like this kind of hash that proves that we keep doing the way we said we're doing it. That's on one side. The other side today, as I mentioned, we are working on a standard that kind of tries to help issuing bodies to move and transition towards hourly granularity in their certificates. However, this is not the case today. There are a few that are starting to get there. Uh, IREC is starting to get there. Emirates is starting to get there. Uh, PJM in the US has announced that also this month in March they will start issuing hourly certificates. However, globally, uh, it's not available. So essentially, uh, what we do is that we take, we connect to the registry, of course, upon approval and knowledge of the of the issuing body. Again, we don't want to displace or disrupt anyone. We take what is there, the monthly geo, we layer production data on top, and essentially what we do, we break the geo in pieces. And as long as the volumes in the broken geos and the monthly geo is the same, you don't, you, you don't, you can ensure the link. So essentially, the, we create these pieces of of hourly geo on the blockchain. So you have the extra transparency that whoever wants to check, you, you we can provide at all means the, the proof, the link to this immutable database of of how we would broke this guarantee of origin, and that the beneficiary and that the 
the status of the guarantee of origin that is underlying these broken pieces is the same. So the, if it's issue, the same volume issued, must be the same volume issued of hourly guarantees of origin. The same volume canceled for a beneficiary must be the same volume canceled of hourly guarantees of origin. So it essentially becomes for us a compliance mechanism that is almost hidden to the eyes of the client uh, until you get to the auditor. We don't sell blockchain. We sell the ability of issuing hourly certificates in compliance and to, with what is out there today. And blockchain really just becomes kind of a compliance tool that we put there, which I think it, it actually says a good things about our technology because it's evolving to actually become something that's useful, not just that you don't just sell smoke. But that's more in general how we work and also related to what I said at the beginning of the podcast. Now we have two business lines. One is more short-term, peace of mind, uh, time savings, data, scope to inventory. You have a SaaS software as a service there. And then a bit the longer term vision that we have as the, as the market evolves, the certificates evolve, we help create them. And in the future, all the knowledge and technology that we, we develop today by creating them will help us transacting them and trading them, uh, creating essentially a market for our certificates. That's, um, that, that's, that's really interesting. I'm actually thinking about some of our experience dealing with some of the data coming from, uh, from SAP and um, with our clients and it's, it's, it's a lot of data and it's, it's very fun, uh, but indeed very time consuming sort of go, go through that. So I'm sure you, I'm sure you, you save them a lot of time. Um, and so going now going into sort of who your, your consumers are, um, but looking at, at everybody that you deal with, sort of where is the incentive for them to use your, your solution? Because it's, it's quite clear from what you say, the sort of the way it works technically, um, and you know the the time saving and the reporting, which we all know is very important. But we're see, we're already seeing a lot of claims out there about 100% renewable energy, and so so what's the, what's their incentive to move to maybe more accurate way of making sure that that is indeed true? Um, if if it isn't coming again, if it's coming from from you and not necessarily as as an obligation, where, where else? Yeah. Is incentive that's a a great question this is what all my investors ask me no um so i think that the the incentive for the short-term business uh, proposal and value that we offer is for the those companies that have a a big complexity so we uh, work with companies that have 10,000 15,000 sites in each country telcos retail stores and uh, accessing and managing and having control of all of that data can get quite tricky very soon. So that is, let's say, we call it the legacy scope too. So I have a lot of sites. I want to report many cases. Also, again, registries are not always very efficient. The cancellation statements and disclosure statements that suppliers share with their clients is not always that transparent. So we've actually had cases where a client we, we found out for the client that they were getting biomass certificates and they had no idea, for example, and they really were not happy about that. And that created a contract where they were specifically requesting wind and solar. And so then we were doing the, the checking for them that we're actually getting only wind and solar. So this is more on the on the kind of legacy part. And then there's the the, the, the new approach, right? So when we started five years ago pitching the concept of 24-7, everybody was pretty much looking at us like we were crazy. Um, today, 
the United Nations are also supporting it. And the, there are several governments around the world, cities, companies. So it is today widely accepted that scope two needs, needs revision. WRI, this, this, this voice was so loud and was heard by WRI, which indeed uh, started a, a revision process. Uh, the consultation is now open, actually closes tomorrow. Uh, so if somebody didn't know, I'm sorry, but it was it's now too late, but it will be a one year and a half, two years process. So there will be other chances to contribute, definitely. And everything is pretty much on the table now. As I said, as at the, at the beginning of the podcast, market base is being criticized. Uh, we completely disagree with it, but we do think that it needs revision according to what I said before. So now going back to your question, what motivates our clients is they see that this is coming. So either you can be, you can be a uh, move, how do you say it? You can uh, anticipate what is coming or you can wait, be a lagger and then just by be hit by it. So there are options of how scope two will, will, uh, will change. I think that it's very interesting for any chief sustainability officer to understand how the current procurement strategy they have could be impacted by these changes. Depending on how the scope two will evolve, certain re uh, RE100 commitments or certain commitments might not have lead to the same results in a couple of years from now than they lead today. So I think that today what our clients see is that that risk, they want to manage that risk, uh, and on top of that, they want to show leadership. I think that as long as voluntary carbon markets are indeed voluntary, um, it will all be about leadership and marketing. My personal opinion is this needs to change, but I mean, this is for another, que for another question. Uh, but the, it's, it's about leadership. So it's about showing that you have impact, that how much renewable energy you deploy, and as now PPAs become more and more, let's say the norm, you need new ways to be a leader, right? And uh, to actually show commitment. So being more granular, buying local, buying additional, buying a shape of production that actually meets entirely the shape of your consumption, which in the end is 24 seven, or showing that you avoid more emissions than what you actually cause are all new ways that companies are finding to be leaders and to be to be the next front runner on on this growing space so more or less again if i had to summarize is complex scope 2 operations today they value our software because again spreadsheets are getting too big too complicated too risky for them um companies see that regulation is changing and they want to be ahead of it instead of being behind it and uh, companies want to be leaders especially the ones that can afford to do so and we had them do that. Extremely interesting. And it's, in fact, interesting to see also how, like, um, big, very big energy consumers, such as tech companies, data centers, um, you, I, I believe you received investments from Google and Microsoft who are betting on, on, on this more granular approach. Um, taking a more system, energy system-wide perspective, um, the introduction of more precise um, localization data um, to, to certificates and uh, certificates of origin um, will, will, will have potentially an impact on um, the uh, energy system uh, locally or nationally. Um, how, do you see, how do you see that impacting, for instance, investments in renewables, um, in additional renewable capacity nationally um, and, and, the, and the energy system more broadly? 
So first of all, I think it just I, I, just just to be clear and because I I don't I think it's it's fair to 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 what is today here. Like certificates, they have the granular location information in it. It's how there is their usage that does not mandate or request that companies care. So you always know where guarantees of origin come from because you know the sites. It's just that then scope two doesn't request you to care essentially because it can come from anywhere. So the information is there, but standards don't request it to disclose it essentially. Well, not to disclose it, but to put limitations on actually where it comes from. Time, it doesn't have that, that absolutely true, it should. But then again, if it only has time, but then it's not requested by the standard, it, it, it's like it's what today now with the location. You have an information that you don't use. The same with CO2, the same with the age of the plant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's always important to this, make a distinction between what is already there, but more importantly, what it's used for and what is requested. And uh, indeed, if uh, the standard and being green today would request that you buy electricity only in grids that are connected to you, so interconnection, neighboring countries, then you would have to enter into a case by case by market. You would have an immediate price impact on the availability. If there's a shortage in supply, like I would say Poland would most likely have a shortage in supply of guarantees of origin, then the price would go up uh, because there's demand for something that is short supply, which would make would create more incentives for renewable energy producers in Poland or for companies to build in Poland because already now the the the, the price of guarantees of origin went up a lot compared to a, a, a couple of years ago. This would just increase it whenever there's low supply and most likely decrease it where there's high supply, which in the end is more or less aligned with what we want to do, which is decarbonizing where it would have the most impact. And uh, also, I think this is extremely clear by NSOE, the organization of TSOs. They published a paper about this. So I think that we should all trust TSOs when it comes down to implementing the best designs of keeping the lights on. And they say that grand guarantees of origin would be an incredibly important tool for the decarbonization to happen in the most cost-efficient way. Uh, so I think it's 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 a great paper that can literally give a very it's a bit high level but a, a good view to whoever is a newcomer to the space of why this is really important and what potentially could unlock. I think that's um that's a great I think a great place to almost end the conversation because I think this just you talking about those price signals and the you know what what a the, the demand supply balance might might lead to in terms of prices. We've been we've been seeing that obviously over the past few past year, really just looking at the price of gas and and the conversation about the energy transition and decarbonizing has been at the forefront of every discussion. But I think the point that you're talking about when it's looking at the scope two and how you can really ensure that those time and location signals can be sent through using an existing mechanism, right? As you're saying, just changing, but using an existing mechanism, which we can use for that purpose is um, is uh, amazing. I think it's great what you're doing. So thanks for coming here to talk to us about it. Yeah, thanks a lot for, for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> it, was a, it was really a pleasure uh, and an insightful conversation. Um, thank you again, Simone, for for, for taking the time. Um, this is, this is um, interesting innovation or our listeners um, will be will be interested by
So as a as a last point, um, we would be very interested. You just you just gave us a, a paper suggestion, but we would be uh, we and our listeners would be very interested to to know a bit more about the topic. So what's what's currently on your bookshelf, or what would you would you suggest to take a read of um, to get to know more? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So um, whenever I don't work, I try to not to read about work <laughs> no but so except for that i i think that there are definitely a bunch of papers and a bunch of very interesting articles and blogs that i that, that i can recommend uh without going to my my, my reading well, i can also do that uh, but they're all novels uh, or like things like homo deus and this kind of historic uh, analysis books but more related to this topic i think there are a bunch of very interesting papers on uh, in general uh, carbon so there's there's a paper that i like quite a lot it's called uh, demystifying carbon equivalences so we all always hear that a ton of co2 is a ton of co2 and this actually ignores climate justice and i think that these papers it's very it's very insightful it, as, as an entry point into this conversation because indeed then we should also stop to think that a ton of co2 is a ton of co2 so again, this can be temporal, can be geographical, but it's also the quality. You don't offset an extraction of oil of burning oil with planting a tree, which does not mean that planting a tree per se is wrong if you account for it in the right way. Um, and this also then has an impact on a lot that is going on with the review of proposed by WRI in scope two and scope three. So I think that if you type survey response, WRI greenhouse gas protocol, there are a lot of also uh, links and things related to the greenhouse gas protocol. I think this is really top of mind uh, for the industry. Um, again, uh, there, are, there are many papers around the topic that uh, now you have Princeton studies, TU Berlin studies that explain and model the impact of 24 seven uh, in the grid for hydrogen, for heavy loads. So I think that everything that relate, re, relates around here, again, you have these uh, several studies from Princeton, from Harvard on the concept of environmental liabilities, uh, which is essentially a proposal on how to link the carbon market to the financial market, where carbon really sits in your balance sheet. If you put that together with carbon equivalences, if you put it together with the review scope two, scope three, uh, upcoming and a leg new legislation from the SEC on mandatory disclosing of carbon and what is happening in Europe. So these are not necessarily sitting on my bookshelves, but I think they all link to articles and academic papers that I think are very interesting in informing market participants on what different methodologies, different outcomes of scope two, scope three, scope one reviews, market-based yes or no, would have in the future design of the electricity system. So again, just a, a few names is TU Berlin. Uh, Tom Brown, I think is the professor that has, has been doing a lot of studies. Uh, Princeton also has several studies on this. Um, and uh, this paper that I mentioned, carbon equivalences, the environmental liabilities paper from Harvard, I think it's Robert Kaplan. Um, and then uh, the definitely the NSOE paper on the impact of the grid. But if you start digging into the, the, the really many more that I'm forgetting right now. And um, yeah, this is uh, more or less related to this topic, what is really top of mind 
together with a bunch of yeah upcoming legislations policies that are coming that I, I think it's it's really a great great time of change where there's a lot of opportunity to to make your voice here heard sorry and it's yeah if you read before some papers it would be more informed we're definitely not at a shortage of, of things to read out there at the moment. Um, I'm still quite interested to hear what it is, therefore, that you're reading at the moment, not on the topic yeah. you start working. Yeah, I, I, I read this. this uh, right now, I'm reading a book from, it's a collective, I mean, it's an Italian group of authors, it's called Vu Ming. I'm reading, I'm reading a book from them, I think 54, I think it's called, that it's about the Second World War. And I'm reading a Spanish uh, crime novel and uh, Homo Deus, which is a, a book from, from Arari, depending on the mood. Uh, <laughs> if I'm tired, or, if I'm not tired, I read Arari. If I'm tired, I read the crime novel. If I'm half tired, I read Booming. <laughs> it depends, but more or less, that's what I have right now. Amazing. Well, definitely putting those down on our list. <laughs> Yeah, one is in Italian. I don't know if it's translated. Huh? Maybe, maybe Francesco knows them. No problem. No, but um, thank you very much, Simone, really, for coming um, coming on the show. Um, it was it was a great conversation. Um, and looking forward to 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 follow you guys and and your next steps. Yeah, and same with your podcast. <laughs> I will be I will be a listener definitely. <laughs>